1: Coming up on Total
0: Access, The Locker Room. That's 12 games. (laughs) We didn't give up more than two scores. That's crazy. I could say arguably we were the best team, best defense for one given year in the National Football League.
2: Welcome to NFL Total Access, The Locker Room. I'm Michael Robinson, and today I'm joined by Brian Baldinger. Baldy, what's going down?
1: Mike, listen, I've got my pen, my paper. I'm taking notes. (laughs) we got a Hall of Famer in Rod Woodson joining us today. Yes, we do, man. We're going to let you guys in on what players
2: and coaches really talk about inside the locker room. And Baldy, as you said it, we have a Hall of Fame defensive back and Rob Woodson and guys, you're going to be just, you're not going to believe the amount of detail that he goes into about his technique and what made him such a Hall of Fame player.
1: You're going to be just riveted by the conversation because Rod Woodson, he lives the game, he breathes it. And when he opens his mouth and talks about it, you have to pay attention. And here he is, Hall of Fame defensive
2: back, Rod Woodson. Rod, welcome to the Total Access podcast. First of all, we start every show with a locker room story. And again, not one of those stories you say on TV, man. I say this every week. Not one of those stories you say on TV, <laughs> not one of those, you know, you gotta uh, tiptoe around some stuff. Now we want the realness, Rod, okay? Let's get, let's get,
0: let's bless know, everybody with your locker room story. You know, I'm gonna tell you the, the, the locker room story that kind of, First was two. One's real short. When I first signed with Pittsburgh, I signed on October 28th. So I only played like seven games in my rookie year. So that was 1987. But the day that I signed, I went into the Steelers facility, got into the locker room. That's when I realized this ain't no, this is not no joke. This is a job because when I was coming in, a guy was cleaning out his locker. And I can't remember who the DB was who was cleaning out his locker, but he got, I mean, they cut him to bring me in. Yeah. And that's when I realized, man, this is wow. a job. They letting people go up in this place. You know, I want to keep my check. So that's the first thing, <laughs> right? The second one is, this is 1992. So mm-hmm. this is like you going on year four for me. No, it would be 91. So it's, year, it's going on year my third year. Rod Russ comes in, Tony Dungy leaves, Rod Russ comes in. And everybody, if anybody knows Rod Russ, he passed away a couple years ago. He was an off awesome defensive coach, right? <laughs> but I thought I was all that in the bag of chips. And you know, at times, you know, we did, if it was storming outside, we would do our walkthroughs inside, especially in the offseason. And it was the offseason at this point. Coach Coach Russ is talking over on the side, me, DJ, Cornell Lake. Man, I probably, uh, who else is over there? Carnell Lake, Darren Perry, we all on one side in a little locker talking, not really paying attention to him. (laughs) He cusses me out like, you mother effer. I can't believe you disrespected me. And then, I mean, he just, I mean, he went off on me like he was my dad. Yeah. I mean, he really did. And, but I tell you what, at that point, that's what I needed, to be honest, because he changed my mindset from being an athlete to thinking more cerebral. So being more mental to physical. Chuck Noll said it every year to us, right? Chuck Noll said, you got to be more mental to physical, two to one mental to physical. Mm. Well, heck, you know, you, I'm 21, 22. I don't care about what Chuck Moore was saying. But then when Rod said it, you know how you, when your parents tell you something, yeah, yeah. but then your neighbors say the same thing, you like, it, yeah. oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, That's, that's really <laughs> good. Voice. That's And your parents <laughs> turn back around and go, I've been telling you that for 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, that same thing happened in the locker room. And then he challenged me to be better than this athlete. He was like, you need to be better just so you can run. So you need to challenge yourself to be smarter, to learn this game mentally. And I'm like, all right. Well, first of all, I apologize, coach, for talking while you was talking first. Secondly, let's do it. I'm not married. I don't got no girlfriend. So we met and sat down, met in the room. And his first question to me was, how many formations can offense get into? I was like, oh, shoot, coach, 500, 500, 500. (laughs) He was like, 500. How many eligible receivers? I said, five. He said, they can get into five formations. And I'm like, what? Five? And he simplified it in the sense that they can get in pro. Mm-hmm. They can get in slot. When they, go, when they go one back, you only be in two by two or three by one. That's it. That's it. And they can get in empty. <laughs> when he did that, I was like, oh, you got to be kidding me. Then he said, all they'll do is build the route or build the formation differently by moving yeah. different people and put different personnel groupings in there to confuse you. Yeah. But then when they finish right here, they run this package. When they finish right here, they run this package. And about, it took me about five weeks, and then that little green light clicked, and I was like, oh, God, be kidding me, man. That's all they do? <laughs> this is it? He's like, that's it. And then, heck, I went to seven straight Pro Bowls, and the game kind of slowed down, and I mean, so he was I give a lot of love to Tony because he's my dude, and Dick LeBeau, but I get a lot of love to Rod Russ because he was the guy that challenged me when no, when no other coach would really challenged me like that. So,
1: That was my locker room
0: story. That's dope, man.
1: Rod, you mentioned Chuck Knoll. Everybody knows the Steelers have had three head coaches. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, I I I played for two of
1: them. (laughs) You played for two of them. I don't feel like people know Chuck Knoll, Rod. They see the pictures, they see the stoic look, Mm -hmm. but they don't know him. It's it's a little bit, maybe a little bit like Nick Saban, like, is there a personality there? Is there (laughs) what's there? What What's behind the mask of Chuck Knoll? Well, you know, I've got Chuck at his
0: end, though, right? So I think he was a little bit calmer. You know, he, he wasn't as feisty, even though he was feisty still now. And he was no nonsense, mm-hmm. right? I mean, we would go out to practice, and it would be freaking 10 degrees, 5 degrees, maybe zero. We don't got no heaters on the sideline. We don't got nothing. We just practice <laughs> and it, I mean, we're in, we're in three river stadium on that hard turf. And it was, he didn't care. Like he didn't care about if we felt like we were cold or not. And our, we couldn't feel our feet. I mean, he didn't care. I mean, I think I caught him at the end where he kind of, you know, I, you know, cause I got, you know, me and Joe Green, we was on our staff. So me and Joe would always tell us stories about Chuck. One thing i loved about Chuck and I really didn't understand it. Like I said before, he told me things that really didn't resonate to me day one, year one, or year two, or year three. And some might even year four, because the one thing he said to us all the time, guys, you got to get on with your life's work. Eventually. He used to say it all the time. And wow. I'm like, what, dude, I'm like 21. I can't be thinking about anything else. That's, that's deep, bro. Yeah. And then that's deep. It, it kicked me. It hit me when, you know, cause Chuck would talk about a lot of different things and he, he's, he, he used to read a bunch of literature, and then he would get different stories and tidbits and he would bring it into the football sense of it. The football, I mean, kind of like the, you know, how we see the game itself. Mm-hmm. He'll, he'll bring those principles into football and then he would kind of intermingle all of it. And, you know, when you when he's first doing it and you're, you know, at 21, 22, I'm not really paying attention, but then when Chuck did leave and Bill Cowher came in, and Chuck talked about life after football and everything else and kind of growing up and being mature and, and living outside of football. Well, Bill was like, football, 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 football. <laughs> yeah, football. I mean, Bill, I mean, he had a big bowl of super footballs. I mean, that's all he had, <laughs> right? And then and then it hit me and it was like, I think it was year six or seven. I was like, oh, this dude, he never talked about nothing else but football. I'm kind of miss Chuck's talking about Life, life Other experiences, stuff. being mature, growing up, doing stuff outside of sports. Yeah. And that's when I realized what he was talking about. So, I mean, he he was that father figure. He wanted you to be a mature human being because the one thing he used to say is that if you can show me an immature player or excuse me, immature person, you're going to show me an immature player. player. Yeah. yeah. And it's true. And, you know, but as when you're young, you just don't kind of get it. And then once he left and Bill came in, I was like, oh, this is what he's talking about. And then when I got into coaching, I was like, Oh yeah, dude, you need to freaking grow up. <laughs> you need to grow up outside of football so you can be an adult in football.
2: I'm better yeah. football. And yeah. and
0: that to me was like the essence of Chuck Noah. And he was no nonsense now. Cause I remember I remember Tunch Okins, who was one of our, you know, our best tackle that we had when I was mm-hmm. playing there my first five years. Tunch hurt his knee. And, and I remember, I remember this dude, this is this is a cold game. He walks up over Tunch, he sees Tunch, looks at his knee. This is during practice, and he goes, Move it down. Yeah, and just, just kept on going. He, was he just moved <laughs> the drill down. Moved it yeah, and I was like, down. what? The-? I was like, wait a minute, wait, wait. This is our best offensive line <laughs> like, we, we, Can we like pay attention to Tunch for a little bit? And he was just like, Move it down. Let's go. That's the next man up. Wow. And you know, and it felt kind of I know he meant. I know he, you know, he really cared for tons, but during that practice time, he it was about getting better on the field. And uh, I mean, he he separated the two, but the one thing I love about him and love about this coaching staff that we had when I first got there is that they wanted mature individuals, mature men outside of football. And if they had that, they're going to have a mature football team.
2: Now, now, Rod, it, it does seem like that the current coach, Mike Tomlin. Wants those same type of players, so let's bring it, you know, forward a little bit. Um, just give us your thoughts on the current state of your old franchise, the Pittsburgh Steelers, and, and can I be real with you, Rod? That's why they call me real, Mike Rob. I gotta be real with you, dog. Sum up with Ben, man. You know he's a Hall of Famer. You know what I mean. But right now, I think it's, he's on the back end. I'm not sure. It, well, of course I, he is. I, I don't see the escapability that I used to see, man. Well, you
0: know well no, he's not. He's been in the league for 50
2: years. Well, well can, can they can, can, they, can <laughs> they can they play that style of game, or, or or can they get back to that smash mouth style of football and playing great defense, which won
0: them the Super Bowls? So let's let me let me talk about Mike Tomlin first, because okay. you said Mike first, right? Yeah. So I did an internship when Carnell Lake was there and I went to our the first team meeting and Mike was talking. He got done. He walked back through. I said, listen, I can't play no more. But if I could. Oh, I'll strap it up for you. <laughs> like you, you, you got, got you me going. going. You got me yeah. geek up in that joker. And I know I can't play a league of football left. I got nothing left in my body. But I wanted to. I mean, I yeah. really wanted to. So I told Mike, man, he can, he can talk. I mean, he can keep you focused yeah. on the task at hand. That's the first thing about Mike. Secondly, I think about the Steelers. I think the Steelers, so, you know, Matt Canada, he wants, you know, he likes his quarterbacks under center. And if you look at their offensive line, this is really a smash mouth. Not a offense. That's not a pass set group, mm-hmm. right? So I think this. I think this. This. If they're going to get back to what they were in the past, and Ben, you know, Ben likes being in the shotgun, right? He, I, I understand that, but I think there's going to be a give take with Ben. He has to understand he can't do it all on his own. Throwing the ball 65 times in a game Mm-mm. does not win, even though they were. They won 11 games in a row and all that junk. It kind of fell apart at the end. Defensively, they're going to be good. And I I think getting Najee and if they got the offensive line that I think they have, which is a mauling off of the line and moving forward offensive line. Mm -hmm. Now you run the ball, you play action pass. You know, Ben doesn't move that well, but when you play action pass, you don't have to move real well. I mean, Tom Brady's not a great athlete. You just have to be able to slide Mm -hmm. one direction or the other. You know, obviously Ben was hurt a couple of years ago, then he came back last year. So anytime you're, you come off that injury and you're coming back the year after that, you normally feel better mm-hmm. physically. Mm-hmm. So I think he, even though this might be his last year, I think physically he's going to feel better. I think physically he's going to play better. And I think, you know, Canada, I think he's seen what they were trying to do last year, which worked. Mm -hmm. quick rhythm, passing game, get the ball, you know, to the receiver so they can run after catch and all that. That's great. But you still have to be able to run the football in the National Football League when it's called upon. Mm -hmm. And that's the reason they got Najee, right? Mm -hmm. So to get back to that style, and I I think if they get back to that style, I I think they can do some damage. Now, they got a a really tough division. I mean, Baltimore's (laughs) balling. You know, Baltimore's balling. Cleveland got better. Mm-hmm. I need to see Cleveland do it again, which I think they will. Uh, I need to see Baltimore do it again, I, which they will. Now, the question is, where does where do the Steelers fall in the mix of that? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think it's going to be fun to watch. Um, I think Ben is going to play extremely well. And I know because he, he's not going to be asked to throw 65 times in a game. Yeah, I mean, and, that was just crazy
1: what they were doing last times, year. Right, and that loss to Cleveland and that playoff. Right. times, right?
0: Yeah, and when you when you're one dimensional, you know, especially if, if I'm a defender, if I all you're going to do is throw the ball, it I know what you're doing. Easy, yeah. I'm, I'm, it made the game easy for me. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's going to be fun to watch. I think this is going to probably be the most competitive division in the National Football League, just for the fact that they all played well last year. I can see them all making the playoffs again this year. <laughs> so it's going to be fun.
1: Rod, you have announced here that you are officially retired. You've got nothing left. So you have to share some secrets with this year, Rod. 71 career interceptions. Rod, All right. I don't think, I don't think, I don't see anybody that can do that going forward, Rod. I just don't see somebody has the longevity you had, the skills you had. I know Paul Krause is up at the top, but tell us some of the secrets, Rod. Like, how do you do that? I mean, you led the league in interceptions right when you were 37 years old. With the <laughs> That's crazy, man. What you was yeah, taking, you...
2: man?
0: Give me some of that. I need some hey, of you that. You know what? Man. This is what I go back to what Chuck Noe was saying back my first year. The game was played more two to one mental to physical. Everybody's talented in the National Football League. There's, there's no minor league in football. The best of the best of the best of the best play in the National Football League, and he is like everybody's talented. Everybody has a skill set, or we wouldn't draft you guys. We don't really know you yet personally, but we would. We're drafting a skill set, and then he was like, "But it's the players who can take their what's given to them from the coaching staff, given to them from their self studies, given to them from their peers." and apply that back in practice every single day and apply it back in a game, in a setting, especially defensively, when they break the huddle, I'm going to look and say, okay, it's two by two, three by two, it's two by two, it's backs, receiver is a plus two split, he's he's on the hash, okay. Then once that receiver outside releases, he only can run two routes.
2: You know what time it is.
0: <laughs> he yeah. he run, He's running to go or a stop. Yeah. Period. He ain't running nothing else. So once I learned that, that's when I started realizing, oh, shoot, okay. And then, you know, because I got 38 picks when I was in Pittsburgh um, at corner. You know, I went to corner when I went to uh, San Fran. I got three the one uh, in one game. Were all, all, my, all, all three picks were in one game. <laughs> and then I moved to – went to Baltimore, played another two years at corner, or really, excuse me, one year at corner, then moved to safety after that. And, you know, safety was my natural position. Corner, I had to teach – like, Tony Dungy had to teach me how to play corner because I played safety my whole life. I played safety in the Little League. I played safety at Purdue. And they told me my last year at Purdue, like, you know, you might play corner. So, I kind of moved around from safety to corner. But then I also played wide receiver. I played running back my last year at Purdue. And then once they moved me physically to corner, you know, when you play safety, you play all twenty two. Yeah. I could see the whole field the whole and thing. then I moved the corner and then everything was over here. And I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> you know, this is, it was a different world out there. So I had to like process how I was going to do everything. And then I started coming up with a little plan, what I call, which I call a hash split rule. So what I would do, I would always play outside Shay until, mm-hmm. until the receiver got a, if he's plus, if he is a plus four split, then I would slide inside. If he's a he, plus two split, I would it. do this. Mm-hmm. Then if it's if it's if it's a balls on a far hash and he's at the top of the numbers, that's when you get those bang eights and whatnot, then I would slide probably a little bit of shade inside. So I'll play more like a basketball sense to it. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Where in basketball, you're always between the rim and, and the ball. Yep. Right? You're always that's what that's the mindset. So I'm like, okay, how can I play? How can that make the game harder for quarterbacks, but easier for me? Well, hey, I'm going to play in between the quarterback if, if the space allows it. And now he has to throw the ball over me and through me on the sideline. And if he throws one ball inside, it's that's rap. mine. Yeah. That's pick six. <laughs> that's mine. And it happens. That happens all the time. So I started looking at the game that way. And we always play, you know, coaches, when I first came in the league, everybody was telling me to play, you know, on a low hip. That was a style playing on low hip, playing low hip, but you got to play upfield shoulder. When you play upfield shoulder, it's kind of like a baseball player who understands the pitch that's coming. It's easier to hit the pitch that's coming if he knows it. Yeah. But if I'm playing with my back to the, you know, I'm playing on the low hip now I'm trying to keep him from getting a deep ball. My mind is get up back on top. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'm like racing. Ah, I'm like straining to get back on top where if I stay on the upfield shoulder at all times, now I can slow everything down. I'm not rushed. I'm in wow. phase. I can, I can box him out. And then if he puts his foot in the ground and comes back and does like a deep comeback or you something, can that, drive, now, I can drive, but I can see. Yeah. I can see the ball like he's seeing the on ball. As he turns field. his yeah. head, right. As he's turning his head, I can turn my head. And, and if I see the ball coming inside, I'm like, oh, shoot, bro. Get out the way. And I, now I can get a pick. Ooh. So my mindset was always pick, pass, break up, tackle if he catches it. Uh, And, you know, most guys are afraid to put their foot in the ground. The great ones, though, they they don't have that fear. They're going to get beat. And what Dick Laveau used to say all the time, Dick used to say, hey, the bear going to get you or you're going to get the bear. (laughs) But as long as you get the bear more than he gets you, we good. Yeah. (laughs) And, and, you know, I was very fortunate in my time frame in Baltimore, or excuse me, in Pittsburgh, that my coaches allowed me to be me. You know, I had to jump out of my stance, which is – odd for corners. You know, most corners don't jump out of their stance, but I jumped out of my stance to kind of get my feet ready and they let me do it, you know, and they they allowed me to do certain things to kind of change things around a little bit to fit me. And then I went to Baltimore. Marvin was in Pittsburgh with us back in the day. Right. So Marvin kind of allowed me to keep doing that. And then even when I went to, you talked about me leading the league when I was 37 years old in Oakland, Chuck Bradland was our defensive coordinator. Yeah. I remember I went up to Chuck because we play a lot of single high, right? I mean, that's, you know, Al Davis. He went single high, man, Chuck. single high, man. Mm-hmm. And I said, I, I went into Chuck's office and said, Coach, hey, man, if we don't play cover four, <laughs> you ain't going to like what I'm doing back there. <laughs> You're not gonna, I need some cover four so I can make some plays. But if you just put me in a single high, I said, I'm going to do some crazy things back there to try to get the ball. I just know me
2: yeah mm-hmm.
0: I, know I'm under, I know I know I would overly gamble to make a play and to get to get the ball back in my hand and he was like, I'll get you some cover four, rod and he started putting some cover four in there and we started making plays and I kind of kept Al quiet because if you <laughs> didn't play a single high man, Al was on his coaches. I mean he stayed on them dudes so and I was kind of blessed to be in different places uh-huh. and coaches allow me to be me.
2: That's dope, man. So when you look at today's game, you know, just all the stuff you just broke down, actually, Richard Sherman told me that's why he likes to play on the upfield shoulder, just because of the same things you said. He said, I play receiver, Mike. Now it takes me back to playing receiver. I can go get the ball like it's mine. Right. Um, Could you have played in today's game? Like with all the rules? I mean, because you guys actually had an opportunity to hit somebody coming across somebody. if they did go through all the things you just talked about and catch the football you had an opportunity (laughs) to make them pay. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying that they can't make them pay today, but we all
0: know it's not the same. Yeah, it's not. uh, The rules have definitely put a dent in the mindset of defensive players, right? But the really great ones figured out, and the really great ones don't let the flags indicate how they're going to play. And and that's what I always say. And what I mean by that is that obviously the the game has changed. So they do throw more flags. They, you know, they're touching the guy, you know, the the five yard Chuck rule has been in play for quite a long time, but it's emphasized more today than it was back in the day. Right. And what I tell players all the time, even when I was coaching, I was, I would tell them, you know, just because he threw a flag on you doesn't mean you got to stop being you. You got to learn how to play through that. Mm -hmm. And if they're overly, if they're throwing too many flags and Hey, what I would do prior to a game, I would go up to the back judge and the field judge and go, how are you calling the game today?
2: People watching
0: you. I would ask yeah. him. I would ask him, like, how are you calling the game today? you going to let us play? Or are you going to make us – is it too, you know, handsy? If we're too handsy, you know, are you going to throw the flag? And then you kind of get a feel for how they're going to do it, how they're going to play. And then you have to kind of change and adapt your game. Now, there's a couple things that I learned from Frank Minifield and Hanford Dixon – And Albert Lewis and Kevin Ross, when I first went to my very first Pro Bowl as a kick returner. So those guys were in the, you know, those guys are perennial Pro Bowlers at the cornerback position. So they taught me little bitty things how to hold a receiver, like underneath the armpit. Most (laughs) guys hold, most guys hold here, or they grab the jersey up here on the shoulder pads, but it's really an armpit snag. If you learn how to grab right here, they can't even see you. And then if you're number three, they don't even have eyes on number three. Did you guys know that? If they're in trips. They don't right. even really see number three. So we used to tell the guy number three, man, maw him. <laughs> <laughs> maw him, grab him, not, jerk, grab his jersey. You do so everything dope, that you man. have to, bro. Dude, don't <laughs> let him get on top of you because they don't yeah. have eyes on you anyway yet. So, mm. you know, I was always an offensive-minded guy. I wanted to get the rock because the rock's important. Because you guys know, if you get one score, if you get a turnover and a score, oh, the probabilities know. of winning increases Go 20, up. 30%. Go way up. So we knew, I knew from David Little and the Mel Blunts and uh, the Mean Joe Greens of the world, if you get the football, you become a very valuable defender in the National Football League to your team. So my mindset was always that.
1: Best defenses are scoring defenses, right? You mentioned mentioned the Pro Bowl, Rob. You were the punt returner and kickoff returner for your first eight years in the league. You said you loved getting your hands on the ball. You liked scoring. Two things, Rob. One, what was it about the return game that you loved? And two, could you have been an offensive star in the NFL?
0: Well, I mean, everybody's going to say, yeah, I could have been off at the start, yeah. but I mean, <laughs> things happen for a reason. Uh, I was put in place, even though I did play both ways in high school, and I got to play both ways a little bit in college. Getting a hand on the ball, since I didn't get to play offense the way I did when I was younger, I mean, that was a fun part of it. Now, I, was, I enjoy punt returns better than kick returns which most people flip that. Most people yeah. like to do the kick returns instead of punt returns. Or blocking. But remember, punt returns, you have everybody has to wait outside of the gunners
1: mm-hmm. to go. Yeah.
0: They have to wait until the ball is punted. Kick return, no. Because remember, back in the day, now they got a running start back in the day in the yeah. kick returns. Now, they this is the five-yard rule, so you, they don't get down as fast. But a kick return, I used to be able to see, i get the ball, I will look, and I can see my, like, if it's supposed to be wedge, left, or middle, I see my guys getting knocked out. Like, <laughs> I'm not going in here. Like, he just got taken. Where in 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 the punt return, you know, my head's up. So, I'm always looking, and I just got to react now. And now I just got to get – I got to make the first guy I miss, try to get to a wall, try to find a little open space, and then go. Where, you know, so I enjoy punt returns a lot better than kick returns because the kick returns, you would see guys get taken out. Of. I remember George Stewart was one of our special team coaches when I was in Pittsburgh and we had a left return and the whole left side just got crushed. <laughs> I went straight, right? Yeah. He was like, what are you doing? I like coach. Watch the film. <laughs> they, was kind of like, no, they was getting taken out over there. I'm like going over there, coach. <laughs> I so, I mean, it, that's, man. that was, a, that's a, that's a third of the game. That's really fun. Now you can change the outcome of a game if you can get your hands on the ball and get a, a TD.
2: Rod, you, you you was part of a, a you know one of the best defenses in NFL history, in my opinion, uh, with the Baltimore Ravens. Right? When did you know that that defense was something special, and was that the best? Was that the most dominant defense you've had in your career?
0: Yeah, you know, I mean, I played on some great te- uh, defenses in Pittsburgh. I mean, we were a top ten defense for like five straight years mm-hmm. when Bill Cower got when Bill Cowher and Dick LeBeau and Dom Capers came in. But that one year, you know, when I got to Baltimore. You know, Ray Lewis is in his third year. Jonathan Ogden was, you know, both third year guys. Peter Bowler was young. Jamie Sharper was young. We drafted Wayne Starks that year. You know, we had a young team that we, I knew could be talented and I knew was talented and I knew we could be good. I didn't know how good. I mean, that's the main reason I went over there. When, when Marvin Lewis called me and said, Hey, I got a lot of young players. They just don't know how to win yet. We need some leadership. Some veteran leaders that come in to kind of uh, show everybody the way. Um, it was fun, you know. The first year we weren't that good; we were six and ten. Uh, Marchabroda was still there, you know. Uh, he leaves. They bring in Brian Billick. We go eight and eight his first year. And the second year, we just kind of made a pact. The second that third year that I was there, and Brian's second year, we made a pact on the defense side that every practice, every single ball, all eleven guys are going to get to the ball even big old Tony Saragusa even big Gooses, old Sam Matthews they run into the ball they run they run 40 <laughs> yards to the ball bro i'm telling you it was crazy how everybody bought into it at the same time marvin lewis became a really great defensive coordinator he had some great game plans you know he he listened to us as as players that so we were uncomfortable in certain things he wouldn't do them Um, where some, you know, certain coaches, you know, they don't care how you feel about a defense. They just like, we're going to call it anyway. We don't care if you like it or not. Mm -hmm. Marvin really listened to us, kind of like Dick LeBeau and Dom Capers and the the guys previously when I was in Pittsburgh. And he called some great games. But then having Big Sam and Goose in the middle, they weren't moving that. That's like a 1,000 pounds between two guys, right? I mean, they weren't (laughs) moving those guys. And then we have McCrary and Rob Burnett on the outside, Peter Bowyer and Jamie Sharper, and Ray was coming into his own. We had a good young secondary moving all over the place. And we just knew that we didn't really have to get overly worried about the run game. So as a defense, especially the secondary, we just sit back and, and we'll clean it all up because we are the last line of defense. We'll clean it all up, and then if something does break, We'll make the tackle. We'll live for another down. And, I mean, when we had our first shutout that first game of the year against the Steelers, that's when I realized, because you really never know how good you're going to be yeah. until you start playing. You could think it. You know, on paper, we look, well, we don't play paper football. No. So when we – that first shutout against the Steelers, that's when I said, you know what? We're not bad. And then you got to remember, we got, what, four shutouts in the first five games, something like that, or three shutouts in the first five games, something crazy like that. And that's when I was like, you know what? When you get back to back shutouts in the National Football League, that doesn't happen. Bro, you're pretty freaking good. <laughs> you're pretty good. That and that's when mean. I realized we we're gonna we we're gonna be good. We had four shutouts. We had four other games. We only gave up one score, and then we had four other games. We only gave up two scores or less, and a couple were t- two touchdowns, and some were nine points, some were ten points. That that's twelve games. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't give up more than two scores. That's crazy. Yes. So that to me, you know, that to me saying, I could say arguably we were the best team, best defense for one given year in the National Football League. I I know that the Chicago Bears, the 85, 86 Chicago Bears were outstanding. Uh, Same thing kind of with the Steelers defenses, the different, you know, the Orange Crush and the Purple People Eaters. But that one year, we shattered the Chicago Bears scoring record by 27 points. It'll never be broken. Right. You know, so I can argue, I can arguably say that was the best dominant defense that I've seen in quite a long time that I don't think can be matched again because the rules
1: changed. Rod, you have mentioned some great teams, just mentioned a great defense for that one year. And you mentioned some great defensive coordinators, Dick LeBeau, Marvin Lewis, you mentioned Dom Capers. But then you played in some places, Rod, where you're not talking about their coaches. Like there was a difference. And I don't have to mention some of the teams that you played on, but what was that like, Rob, <laughs> when you go from well-coached men Good question, with bro. a locker room to a place where you're looking around going, is anybody, anybody getting serious around here? Like, what did you say to yourself, Rob?
0: When you're in Pittsburgh, you get there and they're saying is the standard is the standard. It is what it is. It's been that way for a long time. That's one of the main reasons they only had three coaches in their history. It's either you adhere to the standard or you're not there. Baltimore is very similar now. Mm -hmm. If you look at what the Baltimore Ravens have coming out of their locker room is we play like a Raven and it's their standard. You know, all the great teams have a culture built around the players, not the owners. The the owner started, yes, but it's not the coach, right? It's the player's culture. And when they do that, you win. You win consistently. You always have a good product to put on the, the team. And, you know, Baldy, you talk about going to different places. You try to figure it out like, man, what is going on around here? Like, well, <laughs> how can we – you can't win like that, yeah. you know? And it was kind of like that when I first went to Baltimore. It's like I first went to Baltimore. I was like, what the heck is going on over here? And, and this kind of grew. Mm. And then, you know, Ray kept getting better and better and better and better. You know, I would – I could argue that Ray – is probably one of the best leaders in pro sports mm-hmm. that it's ever seen mm-hmm. yeah. for the fact that the stuff that he's went through personally, so he can relate to all his other guys and his contemporaries and how well that he spoke with people and how honest he he was with, with players, how he got on players, but how he also gave praise to players, mm-hmm. players love that. And you know he they gravitate to Ray because of that. So uh, you know I, I you know I got to play with, with guys like that. But then you know I got to go to different other places that were a little bit different. You know it's a little different. I mean, everybody has different ways of doing things. But I know there's a you know a couple of places that cultures are just ingrained in the fabric of the building and you either adhere to it, or you're not there.
2: There it is, man. Well, Rod. Thank you for dropping by the podcast today, man. Hall of Fame, Hall of Famer, defensive back Rob Woodson. Thank you for dropping by. That'll do it for this week's episode of Total Access to Locker Room. For more insight with the locker room point of view, check out the latest episodes every Wednesday and Friday on Apple and Spotify.
0: You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better.